back, everybody, to podcast number 10 of Alpha Mom Radio. Thanks for hanging in there and coming back, joining me this week. I was off last week for my kids' spring break, so sorry we missed the podcast. But we are back today with the second part of the interview with Dr. Brad Munninger, who is a dentist here in Reno, Nevada, and he practices alternative general dentistry as well as functional orthodontics, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Functional orthodontics is a very cool, somewhat new form of orthodontia that does more than just look at the cosmetics of straightening teeth. It looks at the way we can adjust the jaw and the way the jaws fit together in order to heal and fix other issues like breathing issues, sleep apnea, jaw pain and dysfunction, migraine headaches, and a host of other issues. So it is really an amazing um, form of orthodontics that most of us are unaware of. And I wanted to bring you all this knowledge because it is something that is an option out there and that we should be looking into. So enjoy the show today. Make sure you go back and listen to podcast number nine, where I interview Dr. Brad and we generally cover cavities, general dentistry, different supplements and eating and nutrition to prevent cavities. It's a fabulous show. So check that out. You can also learn more about his bio in podcast number nine, but Dr. Brad can be found at Desert ValleyDental.net. His practice is in Fernley, Nevada. And once again, go over to KatanyaTaylor.com forward slash toolkit for all the freebies and the freebie, especially that go along with the, the cavities and these shows going with Dr. Brad Munninger today. There's some great downloads and extra information on nutrition and supplementation for cavity prevention. So head on over there and enjoy the show. Let's move on to the orthodontia. So tell me about what you started seeing and what, what took you down the path of functional learning functional orthodontia. So a couple of different things. One was, yeah, I was seeing too many teeth being extracted. I was seeing these, these smiles that weren't broad and they, they, they kind of, you know, would extract teeth and scrunch the arch down. And it just always seemed off to me. So, you know, I saw a course, course by Dr. Rondeau and I said, I'm going to go check that out. And, he had so many great things to say and, and, and so many amazing things that we can do for kids because I think parents see orthodontics as just, okay, are my kids' teeth straight? Mm-hmm. But the, the, one of the hallmarks of functional orthodontics is the position of your lower jaw. So but we all know we can move our lower jaw, but we can't move our upper jaw. Mm-hmm. But to, in order to eat, we have to get those two jaws together. We have to get the teeth together. So what happens is we see a lot of upper, upper jaws too constricted, too narrow. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the upper jaw as the garage and the lower jaw as the car, if the garage isn't wide enough, the car gets stuck maybe halfway in, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what happens with these constricted upper arches is that they're crowded, they're constricted, and the lower jaw gets, in order to get the teeth together, it has to pull itself back towards the neck mm-hmm. in order to get those back teeth together. And what that does, it decreases our airway because when your jaw goes backwards, it, it closes our airway down. It makes your airway less, less circular and more oval and scrunches it. And it could actually be a cause of sleep apnea. And pulling that jaw forward can actually cure sleep apnea in some instances. Wow. 
So, yeah, so what some orthodontic, orthodontics that um, focus only on the teeth, well, they say, well, let's just pull the crowded teeth, and then that, that arch won't be crowded, and we'll leave that lower jaw exactly where it's at. Hmm. Which, which you're not doing anything worse to the child, but you're missing the opportunity to make them better. And so aside from sleep apnea, the other thing that having that lower jaw back can do, it can wreak havoc on your joint because your joint is meant to be in a certain position. And when you force that jaw back, it puts that whole joint out of whack. And what we find is that people who treat temporomandibular joint disorders a large proportion of their patients later in, in life are people with these same bites. So mm-hmm. what, what we can do is alleviate that early in kids' life and bring that jaw to a more natural position where the joint can function better. We can open up their airway, and we can give them broader smiles that I think look more attractive. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. I yeah. love it. So... Um... Let me kind of back up and ask, uh, sort of picture this out. So are you saying, I mean, generally when someone's teeth are crowded, I mean, they're both, they're crowded on both the top and the bottom, right? Or is it more often that the top is crowded? No, they're, they're, they're usually just as crowded top and bottom. Um, but what happens is you can move the lower arch around to compensate and jam it back and, and fit it into that upper arch. So the, so, so the limiting factor, the rate limiting factor is the top arch. Right. Typically, that is typically that's correct. So um, they say that I think it's 80 percent of, of overbites where the jaw is back is caused by a constricted uh, maxilla or upper jaw. OK, so so let's see. So generally, you, you've got some crowded teeth, both top and bottom. We remove the mm-hmm. teeth to make room on that top jaw. Mm-hmm. Well, on both of them. Mm-hmm. So now they come together, but we haven't, we haven't enlarged that palate of the top. So that bottom jaw continues to have to regress or protract. Is it re- yeah. sorry, retract or protract? Retract. Right. It needs uh, to go back. Yeah. Retract or yeah. It'd be a retrusive jaw. Yeah. Okay, so they started off that way. Like you said, you're not necessarily making it worse because they started off that way because they were already having to have those, you know, like the car drive into the garage, as you say, but you're we're missing yeah. the opportunity to expand the garage. Correct, correct. There was a big study out that showed taking teeth out doesn't cause joint problems, and that's correct. It doesn't cause them, but what that study missed was we're not helping it either. Right. Why do you think that this is happening? Do you feel that teeth are getting more crowded or that there's more, more children with more crowding these days? They, well, from what I've read, they say evolutionarily our jaws are just getting smaller. You know, we're not as big as we used to be. Um, and through evolution, we're just, we're just getting smaller and smaller. And that's another reason that wisdom teeth need to come out more often. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know some people have mentioned some dietary reasons for jaws being coming, becoming smaller. Um, but sometimes what we get is we get a mismatch in genetics. So uh, maybe dad has huge teeth and mom has a little old jaw. And, you know, through the mixing of genetics, you get, you know, dad's teeth and mom's jaw. And the two just don't match up very well together. Right. So I, I, sometimes that can explain it. 
So talk a little bit more about the about uh, sleep apnea and how that looks in children versus adults and how underdiagnosed it is. Yes, so this is one of my passionate subjects because uh, my fiance and I share uh, five children and four of them have all had to have their tonsils and adenoids out due to obstructive airways. Wow. And what what I've seen firsthand in my own children is my son has night terrors, sleepwalking, and irritability. He, I remember one day trying to get him to do his homework, and he lost it. I mean, just couldn't cope. And as a parent, you're thinking, well, is this, this, my, is this just my kid's personality or, or what's going on here? And we took him to the pediatrician, and they said, no, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. Well, after about a year of that, and I started learning more with Dr. Rondeau, I said, you know what, I'm just going to go over their head. I'm just going to take them straight to the ENT. Well, the ENT says, oh, my gosh, this is one of the worst cases I've ever seen. And so we got his tonsils and adenoids out. And I would say within three months after getting him out, he was doing his homework on his own without being asked. Wow. And just no more night terrors, no more sleepwalking. He was sleeping better. His behavior was better. And it was just a drastic change because if your kid's not sleeping, they don't get tired. They get irritable. Mm-hmm. It's not like an adult. It's a very different type of reaction to it. And, we'll, and one study actually showed that 25% of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is caused from obstructive sleep apnea. Oh, my gosh. Because so- the children, yeah, the, the children are tired. And, and they're, they have attention deficit because they haven't slept. And so what is the treatment for, for ADHD is Ritalin. It's mm-hmm. a stimulant. Mm-hmm. So you're giving a kid who didn't sleep a stimulant, and they're like, oh, they're better. Now, that only accounts for 25%. But if your kid has ADHD and any other symptoms of sleep apnea, um, I would highly recommend getting the top of adenoids with that or even a sleep study. Uh, and then... I kind of bypassed the major symptoms of sleep apnea. Do you want me to go over those now? Yes. Okay, so what you want to look out, look out for for basic symptoms of sleep apnea is snoring. That's our biggest indicator of sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, the numbers are all over the place, but it's as high as 80% of people who snore have some sort of airway obstruction. Wow. Um, so snoring is one. Pausing during your breathing during sleep, uh, you'll, you'll often hear the wife say, yeah, my husband, sometimes he, he stops breathing for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big one. Restless sleep, like my son was sleepwalking, night terrors, anything that disturbs your sleep is a sign. Mm-hmm. Waking up tired or irritable, difficulty focusing are the major symptoms of obstructive sleep apnea. And then there's health consequences that we see, such as diabetes, heart disease, and even cancer and fibromyalgia are on the list. So all those are symptoms, too. Yeah, it's amazing. I know. I've just been learning more about it lately because we do sleep studies in the clinic that I work in. And, I mean, it's incredible. They're sending so many people to these sleep studies and for everything under the sun. I just can't believe how. And it's, and it not only is causing these, dis, this, these disorders and diseases, but it's setting you up down the road for stroke and heart disease. It's just it's flabbergasting. But, and it all comes back to 
getting our sleep, right? It comes back to the sort of paleolithic, um, you know, back to the basic sort of health health that I talk a lot about, about getting that sleep. And, but, you know, obviously oh, yeah. this is something, yeah, this is something we, it needs to be addressed. So, so talk about then if you feel that your child has some of these, do we want to run straight to the ENT or do we, is there, is there, is there anything you can be doing with the functional orthodontics to avoid this or prevent this? That's a great question. Um, I always recommend that if you're having any symptoms, I think the ENT is a great place to start. Um, some people, you know, some people are a little bit anti-surgery. They want to try to avoid surgery. If the tonsils are really obstructing the airway, they really, really do need to come out. And I do recommend it, at least an ENT consult. Um, you don't always have to do what the ENT says, but I would at least recommend a consult to see how obstructed the, your child actually is, just so you can take that information and run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have questions, you're just kind of reluctant to do the surgery, or you know, let's say your child has a bleeding disorder, um, you know, and you're a little bit of a higher risk for the surgery, then I'd recommend a sleep study um, and see a pulmonologist and get that sleep study done just to see how affected your child is from that obstructive airway and that you can make a better informed decision. Right. Now, if you think your child has some of these symptoms, but maybe the ENT says, you know, it's not that obstructive from my point of view, we can do a lot to open up the airway orthodontically. Uh, one thing we can do is expand the arch, especially if the arch is narrow. Um, studies have shown that as we expand the arch, the floor of the nasal airway drops and that whole area gets enlarged. And when the child breathes through their nose, they can get, they can get more air through their airway. The other thing we can do is if the jaw is retreated, like we talked about, we can bring that forward functionally with a functional appliance. And what that does is as that jaw comes forward, the airway increases. So those are two ways we can increase airway through orthodox. That's fabulous. So are you actually changing the bite so that the jaw comes forward and stays forward? Yes. So there's two ways on a retreated bite to treat it orthodontically. One is that you pull two upper teeth and you, you, pull, you retrude the upper arch to meet the retreated lower arch. I find this highly contraindicated, but it's still done all the time. The way I like to retreat, treat a retreated arch is expand the upper arch and then bring the lower arch forward to meet the, the upper arch. Absolutely. Is that pretty much right there, the difference between functional orthodontia and what your typical orthodontist is doing? Yes. And what I find most orthodontics, orthodontists will do a little bit of both. You know, in some instances, they'll bring the lower jaw forward, but if they don't feel that they want to do it in that case, they'll still retract the upper arch, whereas the functional orthodontist will almost 99% of the time bring that lower jaw forward. Mm-hmm. That's fabulous. And like you, you know, just talking about all these different things that go along with that, why wouldn't you want to take that opportunity to, I mean, allergies and all the things that are so common these days that just by doing that, you know, doing this orthodontics just a little bit differently, we can be helping not just give them a beautiful smile, but all this other stuff. I just, ah, I just want more people to know about this. It's fabulous. Yes. And and the big thing with, with sleep apnea is, is oxygen. We, we, oxygen is so anti-inflammatory that without it, we get all these inflammatory diseases like diabetes and we damage our blood vessels and get heart disease and even cancer. 
they were saying that there was a study in Spain that showed severe sleep apnea had a 65% higher risk of developing cancer. Hmm. Um, and a mild sleep apnea had a, had a 10% increase in cancer. Um, so to me, if we can just get uh, just a little bit more oxygen in our kids, but let's say they don't have sleep apnea. You know, it, it's kind of like a vitamin deficiency. Your, your child doesn't have to be deficient in vitamin C and, and, and have scurvy before we start giving them supplements. You know, maybe we optimize it and give them a little extra vitamin C within reason. It's the same to me with, with functional orthodontics. Let's give our kids as much oxygen as possible when they're sleeping that, you know, they're going to have even a less of a chance possibly for cancer or have, you know, these other diseases like diabetes or heart disease that they might already be genetically susceptible for. And, you know, let's give them the best fighting chance they can. Yeah, that's amazing. And then the, you know, the the last kind of final one I'll we'll bring up is kind of near and dear to me a little bit. I've had headaches many, many years. I think I mentioned them to you. And I had yeah. braces at the, at let's see, I was a sophomore in high school and it was purely cosmetic. I mean, from my perspective, if someone else looked at me, it was probably other stuff, but I had a gap between my two front teeth and that was really about it. But I had top and bottom mm-hmm. braces. And although migraines do run in my family, um, I literally started getting my headaches within, oh, maybe I think I'd gotten my braces off, but it was within a couple months of getting my braces off. So, you know, just the the whole fact that shifting your jaw permanently can have so many ramifications. It's just kind of a no brainer to me that, you know, why wouldn't we do it? At the, why wouldn't we do it this way? Yes. So there's two mechanisms that that I tell patients that I can help them with some migraines. I'm, I'm always cautious to say I can cure migraines because as we know, there are many, many reasons for migraines. But I have taken, I had one particular child, he was 12, he had two migraines, two to three migraines a week. And when we were done treating him, he, to this day, I saw him the other day, he's like, I've never had another migraine. Oh, wow. And so that was an extreme example. But the two mechanisms that are involved as far as what I can do with migraines is when that lower jaw is retruded, there is a big pad of nerves that sits behind the joint. And when that bone presses up against that pad of nerves and functions throughout the day, what we find is that that pad of nerves can trigger migraines. Mm -hmm. And when we bring that jaw forward and we match the upper jaw, that relieves that pressure and and irritation off that pad of nerves. And we uh, can lessen the amount of migraines that a patient gets. Actually, my my fiance right now, I have her in braces, and she's gone from every month she had a migraine, and I think it's been a year and she's had two. And the two she had, she said, was a lot less severe than she's used to. Wow. um, And and she, yeah. And she had that retreated jaw also. The the other reason we can help with migraines is that low oxygen at night, and especially if the headache or migraine happens in the morning, Mm -hmm. that when you wake up, that's a sign that you didn't get enough oxygen at night. So by opening up that airway, we can help you get more oxygen and help that low oxygen headache trigger go away. So those are two ways I can help. Oh, that's fabulous. Do you always um, talk a little bit real briefly about kind of the appliances? Are you always putting on braces or are you using more like, I don't even know the terminology, but the palate expanders and the um, retainers and stuff like that? Yeah. So 
what we have, we, I use two sets of appliances. I use a functional appliance, which is like a palatal expander or a Herbst or a Mara. And that's where we get the most bang for our buck in everything we've talked to today. Th- those are what are going to move the bone and move the jaw and open up the airway. Braces, all braces do is straighten teeth. Mm-hmm. So when we put braces on, we're really trying to get the teeth into the optimal position. So a lot of what I do on young kids, um, say six to eight years old, I'm a big fan of only using an appliance. And what I can get a lot of times is I get these very crowded arches that are going to be very difficult orthodontic cases, and I can expand their arch. And a lot of times everything kind of falls into place. That lower jaw shifts forward. Uh, the bite kind of takes care of itself. And I have children that would have been extreme hard cases when they were maybe 12, 13. We treated them when they were, you know, six, seven, eight, and everything fell into place with just a palatal expander. And they never really needed much orthodontics after that. Oh, that's great. Is that something they have to keep in all the time or do they put it in at night or? Um, we have removable and fixed appliances. Most parents are pushing me towards the fixed appliances that get glued in. Right. Um, so, and yeah, those stay in permanently for about a year. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so cool. That's fabulous. I love it. Yeah. People are going to love it. Yeah. I know it. Dr. Brad, I appreciate you being here so much. This was fabulous today. I think we've learned so much. And can you please tell people where they can find you? Yes. I'm at uh, Desert Valley Dental in Fernley, Nevada. Wonderful Fernley. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a great office out there, a great staff. And um, our, yeah, just look us up on Google, Desert Valley Dental Fernley. And uh, you'll find me there. Great. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. And hopefully we can do this again sometime. But Dr. Brad, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, you guys, for listening to this show. This second part was so amazing. But please go back and listen to episode number one with Dr. Brad. It's uh, podcast number nine. And check him out. He does free consults. If you're in the Reno area, you have to give this a try. So thanks for being here. And we'll see you next week. (laughs) 